Hello, welcome back to The Big Run and welcome to the extended edition of the Run Testers Different Gear. Very excited to be collaborating with the Run Testers and Saw Running on these series of live shows and we did go live this time last week at Saw HQ and this is the extended edition of that episode. We recorded some more audio after the cameras stopped rolling. So what is different gear well it's your monthly insight into the latest and greatest of all things running gear and tech brought to you in partnership with saw running and saw have been very generous and they've given us a chance to give away a saw all-weather jacket 3.0 now this is the latest iteration of their top tier jacket designed for the harshest of conditions and as the days draw in it's a it's a bit of a must really for when those conditions turn particularly and if you head over to sawrunning.com forward slash different gear, you can find out all the information you need to enter that competition and I'll pop a link in today's show notes. So what's coming up? Well, the run testers will be breaking down their various marathons from Berlin, London and Kieran's seven marathons in seven days, testing out the astonishing battery life on the Coros Vertix 2. We're going to be talking about carbon shoes and why perhaps we should be getting obsessed about the carbon, more about the foam. Talking about race legal shoes, running form tech, super sapiens, the various new smartwatches that are out there, as well as what's being currently tested in the run testers lab. It's a bumper episode and there's some additional stuff right at the end that we recorded specifically for this podcast now without further ado i'll hand over to danny from last week whilst he was patiently waiting slightly nervously to see whether we'd actually gone live enjoy the episode I love that vacant stare <laughs> that sort of live news reporters have when they're waiting to get the sort of cue in their ear to tell them that they are live. But I believe we actually are live. So hello and welcome to the Run Testers Different Gear, your new monthly update from inside the world of running gear and de- tech brought to you in partnership with Saw Running. My name is Danny Easton. I'm the host of the Big Run podcast. And no, we're not doing a microphone review here. We're also <laughs> recording a podcast simultaneously that be coming out a week today we'll be doing a slightly deeper dive of today's episode and we are live at saw hq we are inside the basement that's affectionately called the lab where they do a lot of product testing and design and uh, sora are powering this episode and they've also given us a wind uh, the, the, the all weather the all weather <laughs> there's a lot of jackets they do it's the all weather 3.0 which is the the latest iteration of saw's kind of top tier jacket designed for the nastiest conditions as well so we'll we'll be giving you details about how to win that later later on in the show make sure to hit subscribe turn on the notifications because the subscriptions help with with nick's headband sort of collection collection <laughs> that, that's, that's what i've been that's what i've been told and like i said this is also live so hopefully there should be a comment section at the bottom of your screen as well so if you have any questions about any of the stuff we're going to be talking about today pop it in there and tom will be the man on the on the questions and we'll, we'll dive into them I'm later try. he's gonna try so uh, guys uh, how, how's it going like how are the legs there's been a lot of marathons run in the past couple of days we've done a few i think he's I've, done the most, I've done yeah. the most. <laughs> so i'm fresh off at seven marathons in seven days to test the battery life for the Vertix 2. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty knackered, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> evidence of that is went to bed at half past six on Friday night, woke up at eight o'clock, slept straight through. Lovely. Nice, nice. <laughs> Berlin for you, wasn't it, Mike? Berlin for me. Before. So that was a couple of weeks ago. I only ran one marathon um, and then ate a lot of schnitzel afterwards. So, uh, But yeah, it was great. I um, got a nice 
kind of big PB for me for my marathon and I've uh, just kind of been recovering since then and now kind of ready to kind of focus on next year and going a little bit quicker really. Well speaking of quick marathons, <laughs> the, the sort of quickest marathon out of all of us, Nick, yeah. you, you, you got on pretty well in London as well didn't you? Yeah, London, London was solid, uh, I had a little bit of a blow up in the last bit, I ran a 2.33, it's my fastest London but what I really want to talk about is the New Forest 5k, now this is <laughs> the UK's premier running event and I managed to see You're all the <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Another one where you took the tape. Yeah. Took the tape yeah. at that. Didn't win London, so it's basically gone in my mind. What did you win? Uh, I won a Garmin, and I, was, <laughs> I love watches. So. <laughs> did you have to do your best kind of enthused face, even though you probably come across Luckily, like multiple watches all the time? It's all sent in the post afterwards. Right, I also okay. got entry to next year's New Forest 5K, so, <laughs> which is the UK's premier running event. So it's <laughs> nice to be back. Nice to be going back as as, as reigning champ. Uh, and Tom, you were at London as well. How'd you go on? I was at London. Yeah, I did really well actually. I was. Um, I've not really been training a lot recently. I've, I've kind of just been on holiday for a lot. So um, yeah, I wasn't expecting a lot. I thought you know just going to enjoy it. Hope my aim was basically to beat Kieran first and hopefully beat him after. <laughs> six consecutive marathons and then when I realised I was beating him my next uh, goal was to just picking off the run test <laughs> <laughs> there's only a limit there's a limit testers. but uh, no it went really well although I am injured now so it was uh, but it was a PB oh, <laughs> nice. I'll take it yeah so what's what's been sort of grabbing the headlines over the past couple of weeks? Like what's been sort of in the news? Like I know, like it seems to always be a point of conversation is carbon shoes. Like oh, yes. it's sort of as angrily debated in many a sort of running WhatsApp group. But like I know, Kieran, you wrote something recently for for Wired, which is kind of saying that maybe we shouldn't get that obsessed with the carbon. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I covered a really interesting study out of uh, the Stephen F. Austin State University. Uh, the lead researcher was Dustin Jubert on that. And he basically put a couple, some 12 runners on a treadmill in different carbon shoes. There were seven shoes that they tested. Mm -hmm. And they were looking at their kind of running economy and which of the carbon shoes really made that much of a difference. So very quickly, I'm going to run through the shoes that they tested. So we had the Nike Alpha Fly, the Nike Vaporfly 2, the Socony Endorphin Pro, the, Ho the Hoka Rocket X, the Asics Metaspeed Sky, New Balance RC Elite, the Brooks Hyperion Elite 2, and the eighth shoe was a non-carbon shoe for comparison, which was the Asics Hyperspeed. Right. Now, the long and short of this is... Basically, only three shoes were really shown to make a significant difference. Those shoes were, surprise, surprise, the Vaporfly, the Alphafly, <laughs> and then the one that snuck in there was the Asics Metaspeed Sky. The other shoes had, a, you know, we're looking at sort of like a 1.5%, somewhere around there, uh, enhancement on your running economy. So really the study kind of flagged up that some of these shoes that you might be spending £200 plus on aren't making that much of a difference mm. to you. It's all about the phone. We're saying this phone. Well, there was another study reference in that, which was really interesting, was where they cut the carbon plate in half on, on the Vaporfly and found it improved efficiency just as much. Often the plate just stabilizes these amazing phones, I think. So um, I know that there was a lot of criticism originally about the fact that he didn't have the Adios Pro. And this, this guy was like working with what he had. Like he, I think it's quite a big foot size as well he was working to. So yeah. he couldn't get hold of the Adios Pro or Pro 2. Subsequently, he's tested the Adios Pro 2. Everyone was very excited. You know, the big Nike Adidas showdown. And he, he's only tested it on himself. He couldn't get all 12 runners in for that. And he found that it, it didn't really, it wasn't up to the standard of the two Nikes, the Adios or even the Asics. And I think a lot of it will come down to the phone material used. Nike famously uses a PIBA-based phone, but we don't necessarily know what everyone else is using. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's really important to say in that study, I mean, he's literally had to go and sort of try and get these shoes. So he wasn't working with any of the companies. Yeah. Oh, OK. So it's all off his own back. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. it was off, off a kind of a small amount of funding as well. So it was a really interesting study. It was just something that he was sort of interested in. 
And I guess, you know, the report actually came out and there's a quote from the report which says, it's evident from our data that simply including a carbon plate or increasing the stack height in a racing shoe does not confer equal improvements in economy. And it says that this would suggest that the foam and or the interaction of the foam and the plate is crucial to the economy benefits. Mm. So it's really that combination of both. And it's maybe why we kind of see that a lot of the companies guard very closely their secret source of what's mm. in the foam. It's very hard to necessarily find out whether it's a PIB or what, you know, they don't, yeah. you know, particularly sort of light strike pro, we're still, some, still trying to work out what's actually <laughs> yes. going in there. Um, and that leaves a little bit of wiggle room for people to, I guess, go out and run and, and have a sensation that they can... Is That's a, all personal is a, experience, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, subjective rather than objective. Yeah, but those stack heights do, they're getting higher and higher and higher. <laughs> and it's like getting to the point now where, well, certain shoes have become illegal and they're making athletes get disqualified from races. Like in Vienna recently, an athlete had his, his yeah, win taken away from him. Exactly, yeah, that was uh, Dorara Harisa. He ran in the Prime X. I think I saw somewhere that he'd registered a different shoe he was going to run in, a legal shoe, and then ran in the Prime X, got spotted Sneaky. and disqualified. And... Yeah, the, so the Primax is a 50 millimeter stack and it also breaks the rules. So the, the legal limit is 40 uh, in a certain size. I think it's a US size 8.5. Mm. Um, but he also, but it also has two sets of kind of stiffening rods in it, the kind of Wolverine claws that Adidas puts in its shoes. Um, and that's also not allowed. And he ran the shoe and got disqualified afterwards. And, it, you know, there's a bit of debate here. He actually didn't run incredibly fast. He ran a 209, which isn't his PB, which is 208. Um, you know, it's, it's still fast. Yeah. But basically the problem is like, you know, he's going to get caught. But what mm. about people further down the chain? And this is being marketed as a bit of a racing shoe. I don't think it's like, if it's, you know, I'm not, anywhere near an elite but there's people in my kind of bracket who might be tipped almost if the shoe was significantly better if someone goes from a 222 to a 218 runner someone they are in line for getting deals and stuff like that you know where do you draw the line where are people allowed to use these shoes mm. and then other brands are starting to follow suit but pitching them more as training shoes i've seen, I've seen a new balance one that looks like it's going to come out as a 50 mil stack and it's just like oh, i just feel if there's a limit it's a limit for everyone it doesn't mm. matter if you're elite it doesn't matter if you're out to set a world record mm. you're still racing against your peers and yourself and on, on that note, going back to the study, I think one of the really interesting things is that the study was done on people who are quite fast runners. So they were all doing mm. or capable of doing a sub uh, 1735K. They'd done it in the recent, in the previous kind of year, I think. And so they were, you know, they were maintaining kind of a high pace. But this study is going to start to look at runners who are moving at kind of slower paces. So hopefully at some point we'll get a, a, an answer to that question about how carbon shoes and those foams mm. work out kind of in the, in the kind of more wider population and sort of more general running community mm, i also worry as well as the stack heights get higher like the, the sort of trickle down effect for sort of maybe not quite elite runners like myself like what it does to your form and, and, and your feet mm. as well and like the potentials for like for injuries but that that can also be measured as well like you can sort of take in your form like you've been looking at a lot of tech haven't you mike that can kind of analyze that could you could you put on those offending shoes and see whether they're sort of doing you any damage or not i mean yeah there's definitely there's definitely a big trend uh, in tech at the moment and generally focus around running uh, about devices that can prom or will promise to kind of look at your form, look at your technique, maybe mm. even stop you from getting injured or prevent injury. Um, now, what I'm seeing, and obviously I'm still doing a lot of this testing, is that there's a consistency in terms of what these devices are promising, how much they cost. They're very expensive. Um, but what I'm seeing straight away is they're ultimately falling at the first hurdle for me and that is just being really easy to set up and use mm. you know I we can all go out uh, have our watch on start tracking our runs a lot of these things are quite 
clunky and quite difficult to put, you know, kind of put on. And straight away, that's putting you in a, for me, putting me in the wrong mindset of whether I want to use these things. And I think that's a real, a real challenge. For, and also, and I think we agree, the information, where that information is coming from and how that information is going to be interpreted by the average person who is paying 200 250 pounds plus these devices yeah and there's a lot of information it's often geared and these devices are marketed often as things that can prevent injury you know which runner you know Danny, you don't don't, if i said to you 250 quid to not get injured or to you know reduce your injury it's it's a tempting offer but actually in practice you know applying the information that gives you a lot of it is quite detailed kind of sports kind of science really and biomechanics that's going on in these devices and actually, I just think they overpromise and underdeliver. Mm. Not only are they sort of complicated in terms of form factor, but in terms of deciphering what you're being told, it's kind of interruptive. And I don't believe it does more than a coach. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'm I'm a big form skeptic for the average person until you're getting injured or worried, especially if you're like a marathon runner. I think there's so many so many different variations in form and mm. very top end of running that I think it's something that most runners it's a bit of red heading herring red heading red herring for most runners <laughs> and i think that you know you spend a lot better time focusing on your training your eating your sleeping compared to worrying about you know your exact running form so these devices i think actually fail at that hurdle for me which is mm. is this of any use even if it worked perfectly and i don't think it really is and if you were going to spend 250 pounds on it i'd go and see a real human who can actually look at you and talk to you about all those other things and how they interplay yeah. with your running. All those qualified medical professionals, physiotherapists, yeah, exactly. osteopaths. It's well, like you're going up against that world of medical knowledge. I think in the two because obviously we can get a lot more data now. We can get a lot more information on what mm. we're doing, which is great. But like we did something with Shane Benzie a while ago where he uses that information with the head of a coach to then adapt it and use it for your... So he looks at your running, then takes the data in as well and gives you feedback from mm. that. But if you're just getting loads of data as a normal person you can't understand it really you don't need that much data so mm. i think you need somebody now maybe in the future in 10 years time it will be at the point where it gives you the right what you should be doing but at the moment it just seems to be there's a big disparity between what we're getting told and we haven't even touched on accuracy by the way that's yeah. a whole, that's a whole <laughs> ball game of those things as that's, well that's that's, that's for a whole other episode yeah. podcast kind of deep dive so what what are you, what are you getting excited about what are you not being skeptical about at the moment what's sort of like creating a bit of buzz in the run testers at the moment well i've been using Super you know, Sapiens. I'm on that train as so well. Yeah. I've used this for a while. It's been around for a while. Uh, basically, a real-time blood glucose monitor that is it's kind of di- it's technology that was used for type 1 diabetics initially. So it's life-saving tech. And it's been kind of brought into the normal kind of lifestyle and kind of performance sort of arena for non-diabetics. Mm. And what it's essentially doing for you in that environment is to sort of tell you a couple of things. It can help you work out how to fuel ahead of your runs, but also then during real time, it'll tell you whether or not your fueling is optimum for say a marathon or whatever you're doing in in training. Now, I just use this for the seven in seven and there are are a couple of things actually, it's, you know, the real time data, you can sync it now to a Garmin IQ field and have that on your Garmin watch. Most of the Garmin watches will carry it. And also Super Sapiens have launched their own band that puts that blood glucose number on your wrist okay so idea being here that you can run a marathon see that your your levels might be dropping the trend will be going down and that it's below your glucose time your gels a <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> couple of problems here i found one is that it drops out quite a lot and that's you know you have to have the app open all the time for it to sync with the garmin connect at the moment and also the sensors have dropped out quite a lot when you run it's something to do with just when you get moving uh, I spoke to Super Sapiens and they, they told me that that was the known problem with Abbott and the sensor. So there's a few issues here, but some really interesting information. 
One good example of how I think this is really useful, if you whack one of these on, wear it for a couple of weeks and test the food that you're going to eat before running. I used to eat porridge, used to get, I used to feel kind of sort of hollow and hungry again an hour later, but everyone tells you porridge should keep you satiated for hours. But for me, I can now see with this, I got a big spike and a big crash. And so the porridge isn't my ideal food to mm. go for a run. So you can unlock some data outside of the run as well. Mm, really zero in on kind of what works mm. sort of specifically for you. Yeah, and you've got to do a bit of science on yourself. So it is a bit involved. It, it, the, the app is very sort of detailed. Yeah. Very comprehensive. <laughs> yeah. Comprehensive, confusing um, <laughs> a little bit. But if you can, you can dig in and pull out some of the little bits of detail and do some experimenting on yourself, mm. then you can unearth some interesting facts. Mm. And that would be for me, I think, as well, having experienced using it. I think, you know, Nick has tried it as well. As I think, I don't think it's for everyone, but I do think there there are runners and there are types of people that it will, if you can understand and interpret information, then it's brilliant. It wasn't for me. I think mm. probably it was a little bit more kind of intense for me in terms of the delivery information, but I think there is potential in, in this space and it growing for for endurance sports and for, for running mm. and for athletes. I think, in I think it's massive. I think yeah. that made a huge difference. I, I actually had a problem wearing it. I found that two of the three I tried, I had to take off. They were hurting too much. I thought I'd, I'd applied them the same way as the one that was fine mm. for two weeks, but ended up niggling me. I have absolutely no upper body muscle. That could have been a problem. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah. Straight into the bone. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting a lot of calcium here. Yeah. Yeah. this thing. It actually came out the other side of my arm. It yeah. was really weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, I found that a bit of a struggle. And I used it for a few runs to see how different gels affected my body. And then I more or less lost interest. So I think that's the problem <laughs> I had. The other interesting, I used it in every day of the seven in seven, it told me I was below my glucose performance zone. Yeah. And I eight gels and I didn't feel under fueled personally mm -hmm. but the other thing to say I think is at the moment it's quite expensive so you're looking at two cents around 150 euros each sensor lasts a fortnight so do the sums and to wear this for a year you're talking about a lot of cash okay. it's kind of thing you'd want to learn your stuff and then not use it again yeah. probably mm -hmm. then but then you lose that live reading yeah. which I think is very important and I think as well having it having the band as well on your arm is like yet another thing to be wearing <laughs> when there's already so many smart watches out there like Polo have just jumped in and launched two more right only recently uh, yeah well updates to an existing one so the Polar Grit X came out last year mm -hmm. uh, and now they've just released the Polar Grit X Pro Mm -hmm. um, which tongue is, twister <laughs> I've been trying to research this and I've got lots of information on it and I keep getting it wrong so bear with me <laughs> no, no, um, go, so yeah the Polar Grit X Pro it's largely an update to the sort of build of the watch it's got a, a, a sapphire glass instead of Gorilla Glass it's basically designed to be a lot more durable so that's the kind of focus of this watch but there are a few features updated in it mm -hmm. um, around dashboards and I'm not going to go through the details now because we'll be doing a full review of this at some point in the future yeah um but then there's also the Polar Grit X Pro Titan, which has a titanium build on it, which is a lot more expensive. Um, so, yeah, there's uh, yeah, and I think there's also a number of uh, feature updates coming or firmware updates coming to uh, the Vantage V2 and some of the, the other watches in there, yeah. Grit X as well. Mm, they're basically yeah. kind of, they've upgraded the top of the flagship watches and they're both much more, they've actually got very similar feature sets across mm. them, but the Grit X Pro is this kind of chunky outdoorsy looking watch for those mm -hmm. adventurous types, whereas mm. the sleeker vantage is what I'd have myself. Hit us with the prices, Tom. So we're talking for the, for the Pro Titanium. Pro Titanium is 519 pounds. And yeah. the Pro? 430, uh, yeah, the Pro is 430, yeah. yeah. They're still, the big, I don't know, they're, they're cheaper than sort of high-end Garmin's and mm. the high-end sort of mm -hmm. Coros. But for me, it's like this battery life is still 40 hours. I, I'm not, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to testing it, but on paper and on the announcement, I'm a little bit worried about this because I just, I'm not sure it's, 
done enough to jump on. My first thought is, why haven't these updates come straight down to the Polar Grit X? Yeah, this would have been a fantastic update to the Grit X, which at mm. 370 odd would have been a fantastic yeah. value. There. And it would have been real like, you got the Swatch last year, good news. Here's a load. I mean, they're bringing a lot of those features to the Grit X. Mm. Not all of them, but most of them. But then it just, yeah, it's like one of our big things is, I, w- I would happily pay £10 for a very good software update to all which mm. I had, rather than lose out. And we should stuff. be clear here that we all quite liked the original Polar yeah, Grit X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it's when you buy a smartwatch, it's a big commitment, and you you want to get something that you think is going to last for a long period of time, yeah, yeah. so you don't want to feel like it's just being replaced the following year. Well, we're, we're all sat here ready to be loyal subscribers to a particular brand mm. for the first person who comes out, and provided the hardware can take it, yeah. offer us the updates for... A, a nominal price, you know, an extra price, an incremental fee. Well, I, I think people will do that because mm. sustainability is a huge thing. I think, you know, we all talk about sustainability in shoes and clothes. The tech companies who make the watches get away scot-free as far as I'm concerned with no one yeah. kind of questioning it. And this would be a great way to build loyalty and be more sustainable. It moment. used to be the thing, like, like the olden days when you got days of your Windows to XP, <laughs> you bought the new Windows, like you got as an upgrade, like, and then it just, all the software... This is going a long free. way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The point is people used to go, oh, I'm getting new features on my existing software, I'll pay for that. And now it's just like, it's a software update, it should be free. And actually, then you end up going, well, then we can't, we can't make money on it, so we're going to release a new watch. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit of both sides, maybe. Yeah, it's always better when things are sort of refined, I think, and sort yeah. of there's like slight iterations. I tell you who are very good at that is the people at Saw. And they have actually given us <laughs> their latest jacket to give away. And I know, Nick, you've had a bit of time with the, the previous iteration. Do you oh, want to yeah. sort of talk us through this uh, the all-weather jacket 3.0 that you can sort of see there yeah. in the foreground? So the 2.0 has been my winter jacket for the last two winters. Mm-hmm. Like the new one has like slightly lighter materials and even better fit to that kind of like refinements to it. what was... My favorite running jacket like last two winters in the uk uh, those who can't remember one i can tell you very clearly because i was marathon training in both <laughs> one was very very cold and there was a bit of snow and then last one was very very wet and i wore that jacket for both those winters every single day pretty much um because it's the main thing i like about it is for me is I, you know if it's cold i'm still going to go out and do my sessions and it's very tight fitting clothes it doesn't slow you down in any way mm-hmm. so i found that I hold both winters. Didn't matter. It was, it was sub-zero sometimes. You know, we're not talking Canada here. It's uh, the UK, so you know. But it was either you know twelve degrees, mild but wet, or like sub-five. Same jacket, one base layer every time. Never changed my layering system. Mm. And um, yeah, I really like it. So the new one, you know, it's uh, it's pretty exciting to see the new one coming out, and that's a good, very good price. Yeah, sure, it's <laughs> really really good. We've just had a, had a little bit of time being sort of tactile with it now. The sort of the construction and the fabric look fantastic. So if you do want to get your hands on this jacket, if you head over to sawrunning.com forward slash different gear, all the details about how to enter the competition will be on there and we'll be announcing the winner in next month's show and you can get one of those jackets. It's amazing. So <laughs> in terms of testing at the moment then, so what are you guys, what are you guys working on at the moment? What's sort of in, this, in, the, in the run testers lab at the moment? What's sort of, what's being put through its paces? You mentioned the seven in seven challenge yeah, yeah, there. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's worth I'm giving a bit of context about what that actually was. I'm never not going to talk about this now. It's my new MDS. It's the new marathon to start. I didn't so I, I basically ran seven marathons in seven days. And the idea being that this Corus Vertex 2 is 140 hour GPS battery life. And I wanted to see how that stacked up. So I thought actually how better to test it, stick it in lots of GPS modes and do a really kind of thorough test to see it's got four or five um, GPS settings and see day to day how much battery burn I got, how much battery burn overnight when I was kind of sleeping in between as well. Mm-hmm. So I went around seven and seven and finished it up at London. And I can say that, I mean, I, I was the watch only died this morning. So it was two weeks and five hours, <laughs> 189 miles. I did 30 and a half hours of GPS running with optical heart rate running. 
And one of those was had a run which had three hours of music. Mm-hmm. Right. What music? Talk us through the music. <laughs> <laughs> I think last time music. we talked, we talked about your love of EDM. <laughs> <laughs> Never I couldn't get EDM on this. I basically, I only had. I, I realised that when I went out in the morning, I had three tracks on this. I had six tracks. Three of them were the ones that come on this, which are like stock music. The other one was um, was "There's No Easy Way Out." <laughs> from, Very appropriate. From, yeah. And it. the other one was "Lucky Man" by The Verb. So I, I had those on loop. Kid you not, for three hours. It worked a treat. This is a thing I'm going to use again. Those two songs, cracking, kept me going. I wouldn't, I mean, don't pay. Do you still hear them when you fall asleep at night? I know the words. I could sing them now. Do you pick the song titles just purely based on irony? (laughs) (laughs) Seven marathons with the same three songs. No, just one marathon. Okay, right. That's not, well, it's still quite bad. (laughs) Let me me hear some of the other stats. So in full GPS, it only burnt 2% for a four and a half hour marathon. That's in all systems, in all systems, yeah, next, level. next level is five percent, and that will scale up to around the ninety hours, which is kind of what it's listed as. Yeah. All system plus dual frequency, which is this kind of hyper accurate mode, uh, it only burnt seven percent. So that's like the top end burn rate. When I had the music on, uh, I I only lost seventeen percent music plus dual frequency. So we're talking, you know, the performance of this is, is absolutely cracking. Overnight, it was burning one percent, yeah. and it was like two to three percent between runs for general use i mean it's a big hulking great watch but that battery life is not messing around kieran loves battery life we, we yeah. had all these stats <laughs> and like, he's, he's so excited like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it is pretty i mean the chorus in but the big thing of all chorus watches in between runs they don't actually take heart rate readings as often as some other watches, but they basically don't move the battery life. Like it's quite scary because you go, oh, if I go, you go into your your um your bedside cabinet, all the watches you've been testing like a year later. You go, oh my god, they're all still alive. <laughs> 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 they're still there waiting for you. Like an old Nokia phone. Yeah, like, staring at on, you. Use me, use, use me. me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there was one really weird anomaly though. The Ultramax mode, which is like the lowest pulsing of the GPS. This is almost right. like your expedition mode. Burnt more than full GPS. Burnt four percent. Good figures. Very odd. Mm. Odd. Interesting. Don't know. Don't know what I did. Don't know what I did there, but yeah. <laughs> and that video is coming out soon, isn't it, with the seven marathons in seven days? And I've just been editing all that together, yeah. So you'll be able to catch yeah. up with exactly how that went and see what I suffered in order to bring you those stats. We've also got a special soon. one just on the shoes, because you know, I like talking about shoes. There's only so much battery talk a man can have. <laughs> well, speaking of shoes, there's one just in the foreground that's also been in the uh, lab yeah. at the moment, the uh, the Bondi X. That's sort of in the in the beginnings of your testing at the moment. What are the kind of initial reactions, kind of take-homes from you know, it? You know how earlier we were saying you can't just whack a high stack and a carbon plate in the shoe? This would be a good example, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so far, I've only done one run in it because I'm still recovering from London. I haven't been. <laughs> no. it's, it's such a big shoe. It's, a, yeah. it's and, pretty chunky, uh, isn't it? And I, I, At the moment, my impression is still that the cheaper you go in Hocker's carbon range, the better the shoe in that. The, carbon, the Rocket X is a very yeah. good shoe. And mm. then as you go up, this is £180. It's more expensive than the Carbon X2 as well. Um, and I have I haven't loved it for my first run. I have to say. Yeah, I haven't I haven't used the previous uh, Bondi, and at this point, find out has nothing to do with the beach whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but I've used the Carbon X2, which there's, there's elements of the design in that. Um, I love the Rocket X, and I put this on. I did nine miles. That yes, I've probably been able to run further than these guys. I've had a point extra, extra week of recovery. For recovery um, yeah. And I just didn't get what I thought was get from the cushioning from it, and also I didn't really get the kind of benefits or felt the benefits of the car. I don't understand what it's sort of aimed or who it's aimed for. What kind of shoe is it? Everyone, I guess. It feels like for me, like it's an an easy mile shoe, but I don't think it, I think there's better, oh, for me, again, it's just one run, but Mm. straight away I I can think of some other shoes. I think the Triumph that I 
we've been mm. testing. I feel like it's a really nice easy shoe and it's, it's, it's cheaper than this shoe. And I think, I don't know if the price is quite there. And who it What's really... It 180. £180 pounds yeah. is a lot. You're a paying lot for of, a plate that yeah. you don't really need or I found have not felt on the run. Yeah. Tom likes it a little bit, but yeah. more than us. I often go on the record as loving quite heavily cushioned shoes. <laughs> <I just laughs> cushion shoes. I don't know record. why. Um, but yeah, we discuss these quite a lot. And I actually, I, I'm, I'm injured at the moment, so I've not done loads of miles in it. Uh, I did a park run in it on Saturday quite liked it it's not it didn't blow me away i certainly don't know why there's a plate in it mm. <laughs> i didn't feel the plate in by any stretch of the imagination and i don't think i'd ever use this for racing or anything like that so mm. i think there's a certain element of and we talking about carbon plate shoes earlier it's like just keep putting carbon plate shoes in all your shoes it just yeah. seems unnecessary you, you might and and hocker probably one of the worst for doing this at the moment because we keep seeing carbon plate shoes come from them and None of them really seem that focused on the same sort of thing that like the Bayfly is. It's, mm. it's none of them are really at major ratios, and this is the, probably the the furthest away from that I think because it's you know it's a nice shoe, but 180 pounds for something that doesn't even need a carbon plate it seems a bit strange. Mm. We talk about I mean we said it's big, but I'm not again. I think sort of Hoka the camera I, doesn't I really, do it justice, that, really, does it? I really <laughs> like the fact you know Hoka. Yes, they had a high stack, but they weren't they weren't didn't have this kind of foam spilling over the sides yes. of the back and that big tail on it. Mm. You know, you, you clip it when you're walking downstairs, I think, anyway. It just feels more shoe than you really need. And that's the that's the first thing when you put it on, you go, that's a lot of shoe. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been reading about these tails. And if you get a very small heel bevel, actually, on these Pumas, you might see actually just a little bit of raise. That is something that's they're starting to think might like, a transition for heel strikers and things like that. But actually... No one knows anything. That is purely for show, as far as I can tell. In terms of actual performance, I can't work out. Everyone, all the like the testing seems to suggest that oh, it's just that you want to basically have a signature look to your shoe because mm. obviously the Nikes got very popular with their little shark fin on the mm. back, and um, it became a bit of a thing. And Hocker had the you know the more outlandish ones like the hiking boot that had that massive thing and the Hocker Clifton yes. Edge, and now they're bringing it. And it's, I mean, if you like, if you like the look. Mm-hmm. good luck to you and they have to spill over a bit because the stack's getting higher need more stability it's another problem with these high stacks I have seen a lot of people when we ran London um, I did see quite a lot of people in the Clifton Edge which surprised me really because okay. I, I, I we tested that shoe and it's got a really big bit at the, mm. on the heel it's, it's not as big as the trail one the yeah. T9 but it's still quite noticeable and um, I, I think we, I think I thought it was fine, not like a major issue. I had no idea why there was a bit of extra. It's quite nice downhills, wasn't it? But that was about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I don't tend to run down many downhills when I'm training. Um, but yeah, the but there were a lot of people in London wearing it, which I thought was quite interesting. Quite well, speaking of the of the collective marathon, so I count with yours. So there's eleven, I think, between us. Like, have there been any products that you've been testing that have kind of come into their own sort of during the marathon? I know Nick, you had a bit. You've had a bit of a find with your Apple Watch, right? There's an app. <laughs> that you found because you're, you're you like to be precise with your pacing he's, he's right? also the king of hunting apple apple watch yeah I don't, oh, yeah. Yeah. i'm on all the forums so i'm a bit of an apologist for the apple watch as you know i think a lot of serious runners write it off and as you know it's completely fair to do that purely on battery life but i don't mind charging things every day um and i really like the experience you get with it outside of running so work outdoors is my main running app on the watch which is an incredible app it really does bring it up the Apple Watch to the standard of something like a Garmin for me. Um, mm. But I use an app called You Race or Your Race, depending on how you, uh, you why are you race? So <laughs> Your Race is how I was thinking them all, because I, I am ace. Um, I was using that in my mind. But basically, it's a very simple app. It uses the always on screen, but it has a feature that I've been using on a Garmin uh, Connect, IQ, a Connect IQ field called Peter's Race Pacer, where when you know what is accurate in a race, it's certainly a big city race. It's never going to be able to handle the buildings. So what the both of these things allow you to do is when you go for a mile marker, you can look down and go, or I'll use in K, it's, okay, so at 10K, it says 
14K, click lap, and it goes back to 10K. And all your average pace, your estimated finish time, all correct to the actual distance you've run through on the thing. So your race is the first one, or uh, you race, I found on the Apple Watch, it's a double tap. Um, and it worked really well for me in the London Marathon, I have to say. Um, I'm not correcting it every K because they're usually all right, actually. They're not far out each K. But every few K, I go, oh, okay, there's enough of a difference now that I think um, you know, I want to change that. It's not like I'm using my watch late into a race. But in a marathon in particular, first half, basically, I want to be not running too fast. Mm. And you need to know because you, you if you're running on feel, you're going to be running too fast because it's going to feel really good. So you actually yeah, almost need those more compensate markers. for the adrenaline almost. Exactly. So if the, But if you go, oh, the watch is wrong, I'm definitely not running too fast. I'll keep running. Actually, no, if I correct it, the watch is right now and it still says I'm running too fast. I need to back off a bit here. My estimated finish time is five minutes ahead of target time. Mm. Uh, so I really like that. And then when I blew up late in the race, the fact that the estimated finish time, I was looking at it going, oh, it still says it's not too bad here. And it kind of got me, woke me up again. The last two K I managed to run again. And I got a time I'm you know, really happy with. I had a lovely day, really good day. Someone asked me to rate the race out of 10. It was seven out of 10. But yeah, and that kind of thing just helped. You know, you go, oh, my estimate finish time isn't too bad here. Maybe I'll pick it up a bit. And I really liked it. And I think being able to create your distance is better than any GPS watch is ever going to be able to do in terms of actual accuracy. Interesting, interesting. I suppose as well with those GPS black spots as well, to yeah. have that that comfort of knowing you're kind of when it, when it goes awry and the pace oh, yeah. is like jumping two minutes or going down like two minutes to have that accuracy must be quite yeah. comforting as well. Never more smug than when you come out of a tunnel and go, everyone's going, oh no, I'm going, oh dear. Speaking of of comfort, um, chafing and friction are, are very very important things for a marathon. And you had a bit of a breakthrough on your seven marathons in seven days. I mean, this right? is this is a subject very close to my heart and, and other soft bits. Um, <laughs> but yeah, seven. You're going to do seven in seven. And I was using sort of normal Vaseline, great. And then the guys at Premax got in touch with this anti-chafe balm, anti-friction balm which has got loads of lovely stuff in it, like tea tree, aloe vera. I was a bit sceptical at first. Tea tree makes me think. Yeah, like, very, very, oh, very risky. Very no, sensitive. I was thinking, yeah. I didn't, you know, I, I basically put a little shout out before I didn't go running one morning and whack it all over. But it's I'm a big two-tom sports shield fan, which I would use in most races as my kind of reliable, you know, nips and bits rub. And uh, I didn't really very, sort of stray from that. This actually was brilliant. I used it for the rest of the week. From like day three onwards, I used it for the rest of the week. It's um, It comes with a nice... I mean, I'm, you don't want to go too close to this. <laughs> so how would you apply that? Angled <laughs> I just I squeezed it on, smeared it over. But the only problem is it's £14 a tube. How much is... How much is and oh, I used up oh, all of that tube pretty much in three marathons. So it's pretty. it might be a little treat for race day rather than using it all the time. Two Tom's Sport Shield, by contrast, is about £13 for a roll-on. And that will last you a lot longer. Mm. But this did a brilliant job. It smells nice. Kept everything unchafed over seven days. Very good. And obviously with the marathon as well, you see a lot of the coverage on TV. Some people running with, with music as yeah. well. And music quite uh, quite an important part for a lot of people in their training. I know you've been having a lot of praise for the, the JBL Reflect Flow. Like, Did you yeah. wear those in, in Berlin? I did not, but I have been wearing it around. I kind of, when it comes to the race day, I kind of stick to what I... I'm familiar with, but uh, it's Nothing something on race day. Yeah, but, it's very but important. But I'm I'm absolutely a kind of sucker for sports headphones, and if I find something that's really good, I mean, I'm happy to talk a lot about it. But JBL, so these are the JBL um, Reflect Flow Pros. There's a Reflect Flow. These are Reflect Flow Pro, and the main mm. thing here it is: you've got active noise cancellation. You've got a slightly different um, 
slightly adapted fit, but ultimately it's about keeping it nice and secure. You're also getting better in terms of the durability um, for kind of water and water, dust. Right, right, right. Um, you can technically swim with it, but ultimately it's Bluetooth headphones and you're not going to get much use out of them uh, in the water. So, um, but I, ultimately I, I found they kind of sit at 150, 160 pounds. So they're sitting against things like the Jaybird Vista 2, um, which we're all kind of big fans of, the Jabberly Active 75T as well. Uh, and generally, literally, I've, I've put them on first run. I've just found this, the fit really strong. The sound I found really good as well. Very kind of versatile in terms of different music. I don't listen to any EDM. Uh, <laughs> everything else, it works for great. <laughs> Do anyone out there big EDM fans? Um, have you know. heard the verbs lucky yeah. man? Yeah. <laughs> you only need three songs. Yeah. Yeah. Sound of the summer. But one thing I, I'm always a lot of these a lot of these headphones have started to bring in an active noise cancellation, which has always been a very premium feature for a lot of headphones, and now they're finding themselves in sport headphones. Now it's not perfect. I find out in kind of kind of out in road that you know in terms of dampening the sound of wind it's not 100% there I've actually found with traffic it's actually it works a little bit better from mm. that from that point of view um, so I think actually it's worked really well in comparison to the other devices that have this or headphones that have this it's worked really well in comparison mm. to those uh, and the battery life is really strong as well so you're getting 10 hours um, without ANC uh, active noise cancellation then it's kind of drops down to eight but in all my kind of runs that I've used there hasn't been a worrying kind of drop off that you can okay. kind of time see um, and I think at that price point I think it's a really strong option one that um, I've kind of really enjoyed using right some highlights there from, yeah. from some of your testing so I suppose this feels like a, a time to sort of throw it out to the people watching like have we have we had any questions <laughs> coming in the time? well we've actually had somebody raise uh, the point that I don't did we at the start did we say you can raise questions. We did, yeah. We did. Yes, okay, we did. so probably reiterate that now. <laughs> we've not had any questions. Uh, but if you have got questions about any of these products or anything else, just put them in the comments and we'll address them at some point in this video. Gives me a moment to moan about the Fitbit charge. I've been okay with Fitbit in the past. It's obviously aimed at a slightly different consumer than us, but I found this latest one has gone backwards in that the GPS doesn't work. Um, and I wanted to raise that quickly. And yeah, but you've been testing it, Mike, as well. You've, I found that GPS and heart rate both are very dodgy on this. And I think it's actually mm. a potential fundamental hardware problem here. So if you're a runner, it might be uh, one. Yeah, so I, I actually, I use this for uh, Berlin Marathon. Um, okay. So I have marathon tested it. I thought I'd marathon tested it properly, but ultimately the GPS didn't lock on as I thought it had done. So I didn't get a, after it, so it, it kind of moved to, it's meant to move to kind of a smart GPS mode. It didn't do that kind of relying on the accelerometer, the kind of motion sensors, which are generally going to be less accurate than GPS, obviously. So it clocked me at 38K instead of 42. Jumped you off the course. Device? You I did. Nothing you oh, I did. Oh, no, no, no. I always have my main watch. So okay. If I, yeah, okay. I'll, okay. I'll did that, do you think that weighed you down a little bit? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Maybe that's what caused the cramp. Um, <laughs> but actually, interestingly, I, I found the heart rate monitoring actually very accurate. So it's weird. The GPS is really bad for me, but the heart rate, and I think there's there's a weird, there's, there's talk of a weird quirk of if you have the the band on too tight. So you get good HR. You get good HR, but bad GPS. <laughs> the other, and then vice versa, kind of in terms of, the, yeah. which is, is amazing to think that's kind of got through as a, as a battery. Now I know, you know, with, with Fitbit, it's, not everything is, is running focused, but it does put mm. these features on there and things like daily redness score, which is something they've introduced and is not um, available on that yeah. device yet. It's kind of driven to help you decide whether you should train and whether you're on. So if that information that it's pulling through isn't really kind of accurate or it's not reliable, it, 
ultimately it's, it's flawed. Price up on this as well, £170. Yeah. The price of a very, very good sports watch. Yeah. You're getting the, the mm-hmm. Chorus Pace yeah. 2, the Garmin for, uh, the Garmin mm-hmm. 45. Now, I know it's not aimed at runners, but yeah. I'm going to say, unless you are basically someone who just wants a duration mm-hmm. and heart rate from a run, uh, you, you might get better heart rate than me. Mm-hmm. This won't work for runners. Take a start so watch and feel you, your pulse. Even if you're a very casual runner, this mm. I just don't think. I, if you're someone who goes, oh, I only log two 5Ks. It's really, yeah, but you want you want to know yeah, you yeah, run 5K and not... You want it to work. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I think it's a step... Because I think the Charge 4 had better GPS actually. It's £130 as well. I mean, obviously, you're pay, uh, paying a little bit more in terms of the fact that it's got a colour screen. It's got ECG, which is not going to... Yeah. Uh, sense it's not going to be for everyone. Some other health monitoring features. But ultimately, from a, a running kind of focus perspective it's it's not quite yeah. delivering mm. from activity get yourself a withings yeah also huge bugbear uh don't trail a massive new feature then don't have it on the watch at launch because you're asking people to spend full price on a watch that doesn't have the feature yet with no time scale when it's coming and that's that goes across every company there's a few yeah. that are guilty of that and i um i really hate it <laughs> uh, because yeah you're you, you're, se- you're selling it as if it's ready and you promised a feature that isn't there and you haven't given a timeline and i think that's not on Mm. Well, we were touching on one set of headphones, and I forgot to mention these rather these rather snazzy sort of see through nothing headphones. They've also been in the lab testing as well. How have you been getting on? Yeah, with those? So, so I guess these these are called the Nothing One earbuds, and I guess their real kind of place is almost like a cheaper alternative to your Apple AirPods Pro. That's really where they're pitched. They've got mm. kind of a similar design with the sort of stems that come down out out of your ears. Um, and I, we've sort of wanted to see if they're any good for runners. So I've tested those again whilst I was doing these marathons. And I think they're actually really surprisingly good. You know, fit, I found, personally, I don't have problems with them falling out in terms of those kind of in-ears. But because they're so light, there's not much weight in the body. They don't shake themselves loose. They feel so light in the ears. They fit really nicely. They're about 4.7 grams. Um, and the, the sound, I thought, was really, really cracking on these. So you put them in, it's a really sort of full-bodied... Lucky man. Lucky man. Out. <laughs> 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 Just in my ears with Lucky Man. Have you heard yeah. a song called Lucky Man? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, so I, I was really kind of surprised. They're, they're £99. Yeah. Oh, so when you right, put them okay. up some of the others, you know, you're going to pay like 170 180 or even higher for some of these. You're going to get five hours run time, and that is how it held up. They lasted me a four-and-a-half-hour marathon. Uh, you're going to get a further 29 in the case, so you've got kind of 34 hours overall. The case isn't particularly portable, um, but it is beautiful. So I, I like that sort of stripped back minimalist kind of design. I'm One criticism, they do not have L&R written on them. Like, and I can't oh, work out oh, often mate. which is to put which <laughs> is to put oh in. mate <laughs> oh dear <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry but you know it's seven marathons thing. in seven days I'll yeah. do that I'm tired yeah. I'm tired do you use those for all of your marathons in seven days and you not all know of them you, if they're in the right ear no I mean I, I work it out after a while but I do have to <laughs> I mean when you get to four tracks it doesn't really matter and you've worked it out and just write it on anyway for 99 quid you know if the fit works for you on these I think they're a really good option to look at. Yeah, I can tell they won't work for me because I have problems with that exact kind of fit, but I'm in the minority, I think. So. And I think these would make a cracking Christmas present. So too early to talk about Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Confused. Confused on a birthday present. Hold up Kieran, open his headphones, you put him in the wrong ear, take him <laughs> get him a glass yeah, of sherry. Whilst well, Kieran works out his left from his right. We had any questions come through? Uh, in, in we the have had some questions, actually. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. So we've got... Um, uh, from Weho, uh, we've got any advice on bone conduction headphones? Mm. Good question. We get that a lot, actually. Yeah. I think one thing's interesting with them is, and you guys test it, is it's not just aftershocks, is it? Yeah. So actually, surprisingly, I have tested a lot of different not like non aftershocks uh, bone conduction headphones, and I was very skeptical about these. I and mean, then you've tested some as well. 
I think uh, I have a few things actually in terms of the experience, the sound quality, kind of a bit about the durability because you know there's a lot of these um, device um, headphones out on Amazon that are very cheap, but actually there's ones that I've I've tested and I've I still use um, that I've that are available on Amazon and actually worked really really well. So I've used the uh, Nyanka Runner Pro, yeah. uh, which has a built-in music player. Now you can get that uh, a model on the after uh, the aftershock range that has that, but it's more expensive. Um, this one's also waterproof and I swim a lot, so it's been perfect uh, for that. Um, but there's uh, Vidon is yeah. a is a, a brand that you've tested. I've tested those as well, and those are really strong and they're cheaper than you know than what aftershocks mm. um, cost. And I think there yeah, that's the important thing here is that there are other options outside of mm. what aftershocks get. And I know people have had experiences. Mm. Uh, bad experiences with aftershocks. I've had bad experiences with them as well, so they're not, you know, faultless uh, in that sense. I'll definitely say across bone induction headphones, check, make sure you've got a good warranty. I actually yes. haven't broken any bone induction headphones yeah. ever, despite being quite looser than them. But you guys have both had problems. Yeah. We see a lot. We get comments on that a lot. Not just and there's no specific yeah. brand. It's like so. Yeah, make sure you're getting good warranty on bone conduction. It seems mm -hmm. to be a slightly more. And oh, I guess there's bone conduction. There's also open ears. So there's a, Bose have got a new product. Uh, yeah, I reach for the name in my head, but they've. Yeah, it's only available in the US at the moment. But you're you're seeing other technology coming that basically leaves your ears yeah. open. We right? have the uh, sunglasses. Oh, the sunglasses, sunglasses. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, And yeah. the Bose sunglasses sound really good, actually. Um, for a speaker, just it's just near the ear. Yeah. Um, and there's also a band called the Moo Ring, uh, yeah. Mu Ring, which, which I tried recently. Does not work with glasses, yeah. uh, so I can't use it because I wear I mean, glasses. It's, well, it's like a, it's not... like a headband or something. Yeah, it's it's go around the front. Well, I know. Well, there's a nice synergy for you. Yeah, it just goes here, but it's problem is it comes down. It has to sit on the cheek so well that it i wear i often wear prescription sunglasses to run and okay. um i couldn't use it with that and i think it gets in the way of hats even a little I, bit. I tested those and they're essentially putting speakers near to your ears and i would not say they're better quality sound compared to no. the bone conductor headphones that i've okay. tested and they just make you look odd as well I well think it's good to know that there's quite a lot of other options out there when yeah. it comes to bone conducting kind of technology any any other questions that have jumped out for you Tom? well before uh, we go to the questions. I would say the other thing with bone conduction oh. headphones is you have to be wary of the sound because a lot of the ones I've tested don't have, they don't go as loud as, as oh, in your yeah. headphones. So if you like podcasts or audiobooks, it, I often struggle quite a lot because yeah. I listen to podcasts and audiobooks a lot. And if you're running and it's a bit windy or something, you can don't listen yeah. to this so podcast with, <laughs> with bone <laughs> conducting. Go for, go for some proper studio headphones. Right. Any, well, any other questions that yeah, have jumped out? More questions. What's, yeah. um, this is very good actually from Sebastian Scheel. Uh, what's your favourite cap for running? Um, and he's got another question, but we'll answer that one first. Ooh. We can rattle through. My, my actual favourite is the Ifley Road Putney cap. Just I've uh, had some good memories in that hat. Great, and it's uh, it's, a, it's not a running style one. It's a bit more full. Oh, it's difficult for me because I've just got a, I got given a free one by Hoka <laughs> that you can't actually buy. And I, I've, I literally run almost every day in that. Yeah. I also I've got an on running cap that I'll wear. That's so, a good cap. Yeah. Mm, okay. I have got a lot of hats. I like my caps, but actually in races I don't generally wear them but for training um i generally use the say i never know how to say say ski or say sky they're kind of oh, the Copen, uh, from copenhagen yeah, right? yeah yeah so they're they're kind of um they're reversible cap which actually is really soft these if i take it and i get sweaty i can actually put it into my um into my running belt as well i find it really nice and comfortable to wear and actually it's, it offers a nice enough kind of protection That's for running. It's not too heavy and big. Uh, nice. Okay. Me, so, yeah. Nice, nice. And obviously, there's the uh, the run testers well, official this, caps. This the, <laughs> that makes uh, you faster, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just gets you a lot of you know respect. <laughs> I, I, this is actually the only one. This in the I world, don't have one. So, yeah. yeah. Oh no, none of us have one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, I would say caps. Uh, the on running cap for me. Mm -hmm. 
but I've recently started wearing the uh, buff, I can't remember it's called, five panel cap or something. Um, but that's great as well because you can actually bend that one. The thing about the on one is that it, you can't really crumple it in your bag because it yeah. will break the, the, the front. Mm. But the buff one still keeps its shape, but you can crumple it in your bag. And I, you know, when you finish a mm. race, you stuff your cap into your bag and then you get home. Oh, and it's like, nice. I'll use this again because it's all over the place. Yeah. So what was, the, have some... what was the second part of his question? Well, it's not related to hats. It's another. It's basically a completely different question. <laughs> oh my uh, god! But we'll do it quickly. We'll do this quickly, uh, and then we'll, then we'll wrap uh, it up. Any recommendations for long tights with phone pockets? In very pertinent question uh, for us at the moment. See, I'm not a huge tights wearer, so I might mm. pass this on. But this is something that I do. I do like a phone pocket, though. I, I mean, I'm a short shorts man. We never like, yeah. I don't really wear long Same, tights. Even in, the cold, even, in the cold, even in the cold weather. So yeah. um, you basically just wear briefs. Don't yeah, you? yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I, I don't really. Where, I mean, if, it depends if you're if you're someone who just likes to wear tights and no shorts over the top. Mm. It's a controversial subject. I'm a shorts over the top of my tights. I, for carrying my phone and stuff, I'd always go for a mass storage short, yeah, like a high storage short, and that is something we're going to be doing on the channel God, later on. So yeah. we might have a solution for you that's not tights based. I have tested one. Uh, I, I have just tried some Yiffy Road tights to have a decent pocket on the back. I know there's a comp uh, Zone Three, uh, but they're more basic triathlons. They've yes. got some tights that do have a side pocket. Mm -hmm. It's certainly something that I'd like to see more of. It does seem to be better actually on the women's side of things, like Lululemon. Yeah. Actually, yeah, Lululemon could be doing some good tights for that. Um, but I've not seen a really good that a uh, good value option on this front yet but yeah. i have seen some very good value high storage shorts oh, God, we're gonna talk so much about high storage shorts. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that might be that might be a, an item on next month's episode <laughs> a whole episode well th thank you so much for for sending in all of those questions we're going to dive into a few more on the podcast episode which will be being released next week we're going to have a bit a bit of a deeper dive into some of the stuff that we've been talking about today but i think thank you so much to, to everyone for, for tuning in thanks to you guys for doing all your uh, fantastic testing as well don't forget the saw competition is is now live so the link i think has it been posted in yes, the chat it's in the chat yeah so if you want to head over to there to find out more details about how you can get your hands on this latest saw jacket and uh thanks very much and we'll we'll see you this time next month anything from you guys before we close it out no <laughs> <laughs> we did miss one of my products which I ran the marathon in, a Fitletic uh, Bolt 2 pocket running belt. I love running belts. This is, this is great. Look, look, it look right. it's it's like that Jones. These guys all choose really com confusing tech to talk about. I just like a belt. Really. <laughs> Does the job. Two pockets, done. And on that bombshell, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us for, for Different Gear Live, and we'll see you this time next month. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Later. So the, the cameras have stopped rolling, but the, the mics are still live. How was that? First ever Run Testers live stream. I think it was all right. I think, yeah, I think it was good. Yeah. yeah. It's, actually, it's actually good fun. I mean, we, like, we talk about running all, all year long. Yeah, so, mm. it's nice. I noticed that, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is this is basically taking a WhatsApp group that we've had and just put it out and just take it out. Put it on the internet. Put it on the internet, basically, I think. Definitely. And it's, yeah, I mean, we, we could talk about it for hours, I think, and we do do that anyway, so it's... How was it for you, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, 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 the passion that you guys have is so is so evident, so it was really interesting just sort of getting that and learning as well, like the, the, the bone conductor headphones. I didn't know. I always thought it was Aftershocks. I thought they sort of dominated the market. So sort of learning about that. Were there any other questions that there sort of jumped were, out there, there, that we can sort questions. of dive into? This is an easy one. Uh, do you all have Strava profiles from uh, enjoying life? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, we all do. We all yes. do. Um, and 
we can pop them in the group, I suppose. There is, yeah. a, there is a run testers Strava, Strava group. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Can link there them is in a the podcast Chester's as well, Strava yeah. Group, which yeah. is quite easy to find. You see our logo there. So, yeah, yeah we're all on there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And if you look at last week, you've used to find Kieran because he ran about seven times as much as anyone else. In mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting, actually, brings me on to my next question because obviously we've all done the marathons now. Like, what what's kind of next for all of you guys? Is there, is there other marathons on the horizon? Are you just taking a break? Like... Sub three challenge for these lads. <laughs> Are we officially announcing the sub three challenge? <laughs> Nick, th- Nick's the one that's set. Like he's he's basically doing this so, challenge. So Nick is basically forcing you into doing Kieran this sub three challenge. I'm a yeah. I want to break sub three, so I'll join. I'll get well, involved. I, it. I believe um, Tom and Mike are massively untapped I runners, agree. I agree. and I think they would actually. I mean, Tom ran a, just ran a marathon PB, having spent five weeks getting drunk in Croatia. So <laughs> imagine he did like two or three runs instead. Uh, yeah, stop drinking. <laughs> so I think, and Mike uh, obviously did really well at Berlin with big cramps. Um, I'm so I'm. And Mike's got a you know big half marathon PB that certainly puts him in the ballpark for a sub yeah. three. So I would like to run along with them, carry all their gels, be quite <laughs> annoying, but generally try and shivy them along to a sub three. Kieran's already run one, but he's going to get back to it. I mean, it's also, I, I think, you know, I, there's basically going to add an element of competition here because for a long time, I've basically been the second fastest run tester. <laughs> and I'm now feeling the, the heat. The yeah, yeah. is about to change. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's going to be a kick up the arse for me. Well, for sure. we're getting dangerously close with shorter distances, aren't we? But you're, yeah, you're yeah, quite yeah. far ahead on marathon distance. And also, you're never going to beat my 100-mile ultra time. So right, and I'll always say never, say never. <laughs> I feel like that should be like a different gear kind of season finale where it's just an all-out race. Like yeah. a well, no, that's, that's not... Can Nick but with just... like obstacles or something to make it really hard. Well, Nick like, can just... Mario Kart. Well, I think I'll though. start, you know, 30, 40 minutes behind them. And... <laughs> oh, I, I don't even think I could handle the gloating of, of that hand. Trip him up as and he goes fast. Uh, well, I, I, I think what I like, and I I think we haven't, we haven't even, I haven't run Berlin. Uh, these guys haven't run uh, London yet. And we were already thinking about next year. And I think we're already about what races we're going to do next year without even getting through those big races. And I think that's, Excitement. I think that's the only thing we're already thinking about, you know, and this is opportunities for, for us to do big testing, you know, mm. we don't know what we're going to have at that point, but you know, there's going to be a, the next six months There's going to be things that are going to be happening in shoes. There's going to be things that are going to be happening in tech that are going to be massive opportunities for us to kind of test this stuff. And you're, you know, you're getting testing from a lot, you know, four, you know, four of us and actually six, you know, five, six of us as well, because, you know, there's, Members of the Rancesters that are not here, that yeah. uh, you know, are part of the team as well now. So, yeah, I think that's that's the thing that I think we're always thinking ahead and what we can, what the opportunities. And, uh, and Bill Bow Marathon, we yeah. are coming. Is that Bill Bow? Yeah. Bill yeah. yeah. Where is this marathon? Where is this marathon? Bill, Bill Bow. It's in March. Uh, it's yeah. Spain. Looks a lovely. Rancesters will be there. I've. Um, I was going to say this time was probably the short. No, you know, after a marathon, you get two days. Like, oh, I'm not really into it. Running, I don't want to think about mm. it now. And it's. What day afterwards that tingle when you start going? Oh, just Vicky Park 10k. I might, I might, have, a little, I might have a little bash at that. Yeah, that first time you get that tingle of excitement in the chest, and actually, you know, I'm not ready to run probably, but yeah, and it was only after two or three days. I'm going actually into probably do quite a lot more short stuff in the early part of next year, not do a serious marathon until later in the year. So, quite excited to get down the track and do some things like 3,000 meters properly and okay, run my first 1500 meters and get see on the I track think. and see, yeah, yeah, test some of these super spikes as well, maybe because yeah. we haven't really covered that at all. I think that's always a good sign of a good marathon experience when you're immediately or sort of almost soon after the fact planning the next one. Well, we don't have a choice because we're constantly uh, fighting for this kind of bottom spot. We've got to keep booking them in. Nice, nice. Any, uh, any, uh, one, one last question just to, to wrap it up before we sort of wrap up the podcast. Uh, Anyone that jumped it. out? Let's find it. Who would win in a fight next? <laughs> oh, no, that's swimming. 
Swim, no, no. The swim swimmer in question. Okay, try this one. Um, so uh, it's quite a good question for this time of year, and one we probably can't answer because um, I don't think I've tested any of these things. Uh, how about advice for gear for town running in winter? Ooh. Bright or something reflective, or even a flashy wearable light? And that's from Tom Cloves. I do oh. like a bit of reflective gear, actually. Mm. Reflective gear, but I also found this brilliant product, which I've the name I've forgotten. I'll dig it out and we'll say we'll whack a link somewhere. But it's like a roll-on. Reflective things you can. Ah, I've seen that. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you you apply it to your skin. Yeah, yeah you apply it to your skin, to your mm. arms, and so if you, oh, don't, okay. yeah, if you don't want to run in a jacket because often the high vis. You stuff can find that on Amazon, yeah, yeah. but I can't remember what it's yeah. called either. Okay. But I, I always think the Pro Vis are a very big name in this area, mm. and they've got some really nice stuff for sightings. I've often found their running stuff to be a bit too hot for me to run, but Brooks just released a very nice range of gear, which actually looks all reflective everywhere, but it's not. The key are they've got 3M Scotch Light reflective black strips on the arms, collarbone, especially a lot of chemo area, and they flash up a lot. Yeah. And actually, that looks really good. And I really like Brooks's running gear. It's quite a bit bug- bugbear in mind that they change it every season, even though it's very similar. But mm. actually, so this reflective range from Brooks, can't remember the exact name, actually looks like it will probably be better running gear, uh, pure running gear, than maybe some other stuff, uh, whilst having that extra reflectivity if you are worried about that. Awesome. But I would always say focus on um, focus on the ends of and like like there's like going to be a lot of movement stuff is going to move a lot basically uh brooks say this stuff will give you extra 200 meters of visibility to drivers stuff like that so oh, that's good really good firelight get yeah. a good head torch with the you know the flashing red light in the back mm. as well. yeah. i was i was going to say there's there's a big difference between reflective clothing and lights and i think these days especially I and mean, we've got it the, the question was town but towns can vary massively you're running in london you can get away with reflective clothing because there's so many lights but where i'm at the moment mm. there's not a lot of lights so you really need like a proper flashing light on because it can get a bit dangerous yeah, nice clip awesome. on one as well i think just uh, i think on the back of your um yep. Yep. back of your torso i think that were, i had used that when i was guiding runs and amazing yeah amazing and if awesome. you're in the forest here's a little key tap to anyone that really scares me when i first heard it <laughs> if uh, you're in a forest and your light hits a pair of eyes and it reflects back it's a, it's an animal if it doesn't reflect back it's a human good night <laughs> <laughs> it was like well we how do you see them you just see like little gray pools yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i can tell i've been joined by the university of york radio perfect segue to end the podcast so thank you so much for listening to the different gear podcast thank you for all of your questions and we will all see you this time next month so there we have it our first live episode and we will be back this time next month to reveal the winner of the all weather jacket 3.0 so stay tuned to find out that and for everything else that will be coming up on next month's episode of different gear from the run testers in partnership with saw running i hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you enjoyed and tuned in and watched us live it was a real pleasure to do and it was great to have all your questions coming in get them lined up for next month's episode and we're hopefully going to be answering even more of them next time and as always if you're able to and you fancy it get out there and get running thanks for listening i'll see you next week